Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 27th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, what a freaking bizarre day yesterday was. We got the unemployment numbers from last week, and a record 3.3 million people filed for jobless benefits. And then the stock market rallied. Yes, I said rallied. In fact, the Dow Jones was up 1,351 spot 62 points. In what world does this make any sense at all? Only in a world where the central bank and the federal government are promising to inject trillions and trillions of dollars printed out of thin air into the economy. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been stimulated and stimulated good. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised that all of this monetary and fiscal stimulus has had this big of an impact on the stock markets. I figured it would have some, but I didn't really expect this. We've seen three straight days of big gains this week, including the biggest point gain ever for the Dow on Tuesday. The week has been so good, in fact, that we are now technically out of bear market territory. The last time that we saw a three-day gain this big was in 1931 at the beginning of the Great Depression. So maybe we shouldn't necessarily conclude that everything is all well now that we're out of the woods. In one of his podcasts this week, Peter Schiff pointed out that big upswings like this are actually common in bear markets. In fact, of the five biggest rallies in the Dow, four of them occurred during the Great Depression, and Tuesdays ranked as number four. Of the top ten, two more were during the Depression, and two were during the 2008 financial crisis. The final rally was after Black Monday in 1987, so nine of the top ten days happened in the middle of bear markets or early in bear markets. You know, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised at the recent spike in stocks because the stimulus coming down the pike is huge. I mean, it's bigly. Of course, we have the stimulus package worked out by Congress. It's basically money for everybody to the tune of over $2 trillion. Now, what's really amazing to me is that virtually nobody is asking what I think is kind of an important question. Who the hell is going to pay for all of this? The answer, of course, is nobody, at least not directly. The U.S. government is going to borrow it, and the Federal Reserve is going to monetize the debt. If you think back to all the bailouts and stimulus during the 2008 financial crisis, you know, there were at least some people questioning it. I mean, heck, the Tea Party movement grew out of concern about all of the spending. Remember that? Taxed enough already? Today, the same people who were marching at those Tea Party rallies are gleefully planning on how they're going to spend their MAGA bucks. Anyway... I'm going to suggest to you that all of this stimulus was a problem in 2008, and it's still a problem today. But I think people have bought into the notion that it really is free money, that debt doesn't matter, that you can just fire up the printing presses, and it's not going to matter a bit. I mean, it didn't matter in 08, right? I'm going to get to why it might be a different scenario this time around here in a minute. But first, let's talk about what the Federal Reserve did this week, because I think that's actually more significant than the fiscal stimulus. In fact, the Fed makes the fiscal stimulus possible. In a nutshell, we now have QE to infinity and beyond. 
On Monday, the Fed announced it will purchase an unlimited amount of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. The Washington Post called the move unprecedented and said that it goes, quote, much further than what the central bank did in the 2008-2009 crisis. Quote, back then, the Fed injected nearly $4 trillion into the financial system over several years. Analysts say the Fed's efforts now could dwarf that in a matter of weeks. That projection is already looking pretty accurate. The central bank's balance sheet exploded by more than half a trillion dollars over the past week. That's roughly twice the pace of the next largest weekly expansion during the global financial crisis. Total assets held by the Fed topped $5 trillion for the first time ever, and we're on the fast track to $10 trillion on that balance sheet. This time around, the Fed isn't limiting itself to buying U.S. Treasuries and government-backed mortgages. For the first time ever, it's also buying corporate debt and municipal bonds. As Peter Schiff put it, they're going to back up the truck and buy the whole bond market. Fed monetary policy is kind of complicated and most people don't understand it. But when you strip everything away, the bottom line is that the Fed is going to create trillions of dollars out of thin air and inject them into the economy. Theoretically, it will enable companies, governments, and to a lesser degree, us, borrow money and keep going until the virtual economic standstill caused by this coronavirus finally ends. As the Washington Post explained, quote, with restaurants, airlines, hotels, auto manufacturers, and so many other parts of the economy at a standstill, there's a massive need for short-term loans to help businesses survive until people can get out again. But just as demand for loans is growing, investors are showing little appetite to buy up all of this debt, preferring instead to hold on to cash. So in a nutshell, the Fed is enabling a massive borrowing spree. That's really what this all boils down to. This is exactly why the federal government can promise $2 trillion of fiscal stimulus. The Fed is going to buy up all of those bonds. It's going to monetize all of that debt, and everybody is going to borrow to their heart's delight. But never forget, you and I can't print money out of thin air, well, at least not without going to jail. We are going to have to pay these loans back. And we're already up to our eyeballs in debt, courtesy of the easy money policies following the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, this is just the same play out of the worn-out Federal Reserve playbook. More than a decade of easy money in the wake of the 2008 crisis has enabled everybody to lever up. In effect, the central bank is trying to save the bankrupt by letting them get deeper into debt. It's like curing the drug addict by giving him more heroin. Get this. By the end of 2019, in absolute terms, business debt had skyrocketed to a record $16 trillion. U.S. corporate debt increased by 5.1% year-on-year last year, much faster than economic growth. As a result, debt levels also reached historic highs in terms of a percentage of GDP. According to a Federal Reserve report, debt growth has outpaced economic output through most of the current expansion. I guess now we should call that the former expansion, right? Meanwhile, consumer debt has also risen to record levels. Americans owe more than $1 trillion in credit card debt alone. That's on top of a pile of student loans and auto loans. And of course, the federal government was running near record deficits even before the coronavirus crisis. I mean, if you look at the federal budget deficits last year, you'd think we were already in a massive recession even before the virus. 
The reality is this credit crisis started long before coronavirus, and the Fed was engaging in extraordinary monetary policy over a year ago. I talked about that in a podcast a couple of weeks back. We were seeing cracks in the lending markets last fall. This is why the Fed launched repo operations back in September and quantitative easing programs that it refused to call quantitative easing. I mean, really, it goes back even further than that. This thing started to implode in the fall of 2018 when the Fed was trying to normalize interest rates and shrink its balance sheet. Remember that? That's why it ended rate hikes and then cut rates three times last year. Do not lose sight of this fact. Extraordinary monetary policy started more than a year ago. We've just put it in hyperdrive because of the coronavirus. The coronavirus is the pin that popped the bubble, but the air was leaking out before coronavirus reared its ugly head. The economic shutdown due to the virus has certainly hastened the financial meltdown that was already in the process of developing. That's why, despite the rally in stocks that we've seen, I don't think all of this stimulus is really going to work. It may keep things floating a little longer. I don't know. I've been surprised at just how long the powers that be have been able to keep this afloat to begin with. But at some point, economics has to catch up, doesn't it? The Federal Reserve and the U.S. government is about to drop trillions of dollars into the economy. It's going to unleash a tsunami of inflation. In one of his podcasts this week, Peter said hyperinflation has gone from the worst case scenario to the most likely scenario. But Mike, you say, people like you had a conniption fit about inflation in 2008 and it never happened. Why worry now? Well, there are a number of technical reasons that we didn't see price inflation in 08. And, you know, I've made the point before that we did have inflation. The inflation went into the stock market and into asset bubbles. But fundamentally, the Fed was able to reinflate the bubbles after 2008 because everybody believed the QE and the debt monetization was temporary. They believed that the Fed would normalize interest rates. They believed that the Fed would shrink its balance sheet. But that never happened. As soon as the central bank pushed toward normalization, the stock market tanked and the Fed pivoted right back to rate cuts and QE. Nobody is going to believe that this round of money printing is temporary unless they're absolutely insane, which I guess is not out of the question. But money printing to infinity is the new normal, and that is a recipe for price inflation. Think about it. What do you think would happen if Jerome Powell stepped up to the podium today and said, you know, I think we've done enough. We're going to ease up on the QE. I think we're good. The stock market would go through the floor. The bond market would collapse because there is no way the U.S. Treasury can sell enough bonds to pay for this stimulus program without the central bank buying them up. This is a house of cards. And if you pull out the stimulus card, the whole thing is toast. And even if you buy into the Keynesian myth that printing money in a recession is okay, this crisis is fundamentally different from 2008, as Deutsche Bank macro strategist Oliver Harvey explained for Fox Business. He said the 2008 crisis was a classic demand shock, so that's a Keynesian thing, whereas this time around, it's first and foremost a supply shock. Consumers are staying away from restaurants and stores because governments told them to do so, and wage earners aren't going to work because they're being told to stay home to avoid spreading and or contracting coronavirus. We're not producing anything. Harvey said what has happened is a a second order response to a first order shock to aggregate supply and trying to keep spending at pre-lockdown levels while keeping lockdowns in place will lead to more money chasing much less goods and services resulting in quote inflation and a lot of it. I said this last week. 
You can't have money chasing products that don't exist. You can't dump money into the economy and say, go buy stuff when there's nothing to buy. Okay, so I've gone all the way through a podcast called the Friday Gold Wrap and haven't talked about gold. So let's remedy that. Uh, The yellow metal got a bit of a bounce early in the week after the Fed announced QE to infinity. Well, I'm understating that. It was a huge bounce. It was like 100 bucks at one point. Uh, It pushed back above 1600 and was way above 1650 at one point. But it's dropped since and pretty much languished. It's kind of traded sideways yesterday. Now, we're still above 1600. We were at about 1620 as I recorded the podcast this morning, although it looked to be dropping. Don't forget what I said about gold in the early days of the 08 crisis in the last podcast. The yellow metal lost 29% in the last seven months of 2008. Gold is already performing better now than it did then. And we haven't even gotten started with the meltdown. I think we're at the very beginning stages. As Peter put it, there's going to be a rush to gold because the dollar is cooked. Of course, this isn't going to happen overnight. You won't see inflation next week. You may not see inflation the week after that. But it's just hard to see how we can avoid the stagflation scenario with how everything is lined up. It is a perfect storm. Anyway, I'm running long here, but I'll link to an article in the show notes page specifically relating to how all of this could impact the gold market, specifically how the Federal Reserve buying up all of these bonds could impact the dollar end up collapsing the dollar, and in turn, pushing gold into the stratosphere. If you want even more details, you can talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metals specialist, call 1-888-GOLD-160, or it might be even better to shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. Please keep in mind, be patient. They're extremely busy right now. We have uh, minimum orders due to the extreme demand and shortages on a lot of bullion products. So uh, if you do contact them, keep in mind it may take them a little bit to get back to you. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis as all of this unfolds throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Also follow us at Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. I'm doing short videos throughout the week and trying to do more social media contacts. So you want to follow us on those channels. You'll find links to all of this stuff on the show notes page at shiftgold.com news. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.